Well, let's get started. This is uh, Art Hour. Uh, it's a show where uh, all about governance for Rug Radio. It's every Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern here on Twitter Spaces. And then we also syndicate this out on um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else you get your podcasts. Um, so a couple of disclaimers, really. The show is not legal advice, not financial advice. You should always in crypto always do your own research you should never trust what anyone says in the spaces uh because we're all biased you know i own uh rug token i own genesis nfts you should assume everyone else here does um and you should always do your own research and not rely on us for legal or financial advice a couple thank yous this week really want to thank my boots and tanya uh, for helping produce and co-host this episode. Also want to shout out Wagon Wendy. She's uh, been working hard writing for the Reg Radio Rag Substack. She's got a new article coming out very soon about Lawline, Lexline with Carlo. Um, you can subscribe to that at rugradiorag.substack.com. Um, okay, so our hour is episode four. We got a couple of great guests. We're going to start it off with Baba, who is a... Uh, code little noun with me he uh, is up on stage with his crown little noun and he's going to talk to us about governance he's going to talk to us about quorum he's going to talk to us about delegation he's going to talk to us about prop house and sort of his experience and his knowledge uh with governance so we love baba we, we're glad to have him here and then hopefully later on we'll be joined by loxley and other rug radio folks uh, as we talk about uh, what's going on with art out governance um so with that, um, let's get started. Let me introduce Baba. Baba is, as I mentioned, a little nouner. He's a builder in the little nouns ecosystem. I've come to know Baba through his work with uh, mainly with Datapod, which is a fantastic uh, group within little nouns. It's work to build sort of open and transparent uh, data structures to help kind of organize our data and uh, help inform our governance decisions. He's also been working on something new with uh, sort of composable data layer structures on ceramic network, which we can get into a little bit later. But uh, Baba, welcome to Arda Hour. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, Brandon. Can you tell us uh, what your little noun is? Is that a king's crown? Yeah, it's a, it's a king's crown. So there are two. There's actually a queen's crown and a king's crown. And this is the the male version. Uh, <laughs> what uh, what do you like about it? Tell us about your little noun. What uh, did you have? A quick story? How you came to find it? Were you, were you looking for a crown, or did you just see it? Or yeah, so I I'd actually I knew about the nouns for a long time, and um, I really respected their brand. And uh, when the little nouns came around, I was always pretty interested, but the price was kind of steep, so I was just watching the auctions. And uh, one day I was watching, I mean, it's kind of fun to watch the auctions because it's a new little noun kind of every 15 minutes uh, if, if the volume is high enough. So one day I saw this crown on the auction and despite the price being high when I saw that crown, I didn't know any of the trades or anything. I just saw that kind of this really clean crown. I knew I had to have it and that, that was that was the, the full story. So I, I began watching um, and I was out for breakfast one morning with a friend and I didn't even have my like, my, my crypto wallet uh, on me and uh, a crown came up for auction, randomly checked it. And I, I told my, my friend, I was like, you got to buy this for me. <laughs> and like, we were there in front of the breakfast, like bidding on this little noun. 
and uh, and we got it. And I remember at the time the market was crashing, still crashing, and I didn't really feel great about buying another NFT. But having that crown, I mean, for me, like it wasn't really about the, the value. It just it was very aesthetic, and it wasn't this crown actually; it was a different one. But um, I used a little block party app that kind of Brannigan and the team made, which allows you to kind of view future nouns before they're minted. And I minted this crown because, you know, I, I think this, uh, the necklace, the kind of chain is, is really OG. And I really vibe with that. <laughs> awesome. I didn't, I didn't know that story. Um, and so I know you very well. You know me very well from little nouns. Most of our audience here, I think, is sort of rug radio folks who uh, I think a lot of people have kind of some understanding of nouns. But could we start off by just kind of, could you take us through, basically, why did I ask you on? What, what is it about your experience with governance, with data, that, that had me ask you? What, what makes you qualified to talk to us kind of about governance issues, voting, quorum, all that kind of good stuff? Yeah, so I, I've been working with Little Nouns for about six months um and our i guess full-time job is organizing the on-chain and off-chain data for the dow um and so you hear the word dow but what is the dow and it's the same for a company like you hear the word apple and microsoft or something but like what are those companies like if you go there's no company within a company there's no essential entity and like you can't point to any part of an organization and say this is it right and so what, what 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 you find is that like these organizations these collectives of people it's more a fleeting emergent property than some finite static thing and so we were tasked with basically trying to draw the picture of what this ephemeral entity known as dao is and we looked at kind of how people participated in voting how people um, purchase things at auctions um, and we looked at how we were using our, our treasury over time to get an idea of who we are what we've kind of done and what we can do in the future um, and so this was kind of a, a pretty extensive work over the first couple of months and as we've kind of refined and organized more of the data it's come to a point now where we're more trying to figure out how to build tools on top of the data to be more useful to help people. So that's kind of my story. And I guess, I guess why, why somebody might think that I'm, I'm qualified. I've spent probably more time than I should have looking at Dow data. And you've been, you've been funded for this work, right? So uh, we're going to get into, I think later in this episode, sort of prop house, but could you speak to sort of um, how you've been funded by little nouns, what mechanisms you've used? Yeah, so Little Nouns has three different ways of getting funding. So we have um, on-chain, which is the main way, and no one controls it. It's all based on the amount of tokens that you have. Um, and so, you know, you can kind of put a proposal. If your proposal passes, ETH will leave the treasury to go to whomever it is de designated to for that proposal to be successful. The second way is uh, small grants, and that's where um, you have a small team that is operating out of a multi-sig um, that is able to distribute ETH uh, at their discretion. So this is not based on token weighting. This is based on the discretion of the multi-sig signers. It's supposed to be fast, like a fast way to get ETH, um, but it's just a different way, right? Instead of trying to appeal to 
you know, a thousand people, you're appealing to five, which can be easier, can be more difficult, depending on what, you know, what, what, what you're asking for. And then the last way is prop house, um, which is kind of like a bounty program. Uh, the DAO will say, we want to pay people to build videos, and then a bunch of people will make videos and get paid. Or we want to pay people to build applications, governance applications, and people build ap applications and get paid. Um, so I, I started through little now is getting funding from the grants. So the small committee, um, I, I built something that I, I thought was valuable and I asked for some ETH and then people told me that I don't deserve it. <laughs> then I was fighting and explaining why I think it's valuable. I, I presented the findings to the DAO and then people kind of thought highly enough of the work to um, pay me the value and, and, and they wanted me to keep working on, on that area. And um, let's see, then eventually you won a mandate round from big nouns, right? From the prop house. Is that right? Yeah. So I guess what would end up happening from that is that um, there was another builder there who was doing a lot of analysis. One of the, like, I guess one of the more, more recognized uh, Dune analysts, uh, C-Launch was working there at the same time. And so what happened was they created a, a pod, which is like a working group between myself and the other uh, kind of engineer there. And we got grants for about two or three months. I think, I think two grants, about 15 ETH each, 14 ETH, ETH each that was paid at the time through the funding grants. And so basically around 7 ETH a month to just think about DAO data. Um, and so we did that for about two months, and then we went over to Now's DAO and uh, proposed to do the same thing for them, kind of analyze their data and build out this application on top of it. And we Now's DAO right now probably has the most well-organized Dune data, um, like in Web3. Like, uh, I don't think there's any DAO that has better data. And they, if they do, let me know, and then they won't for long. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so kind of a couple issues I want to get into. Uh, one is uh, Red Radio. We've had kind of a lot of discussion recently about Quorum. Um, our Nouns Quorum works a little bit differently. And there's um, right now sort of a big push to sort of lower Quorum. We have kind of a, our initial framework had a very high Quorum. And so, for example, in this past vote, um, we've had uh, the Quorum requirement was, I believe, 45% of all sort of RDAO holders. Could you um, kind of put that into context? I mean, 45%, how does that compare to sort of other DAOs that have functioned in your experience in the space? So we actually did a research report on, on governance for a couple of DAOs a few months back. Uniswap is, I believe, the DAO with the largest treasury, a couple billion um, Doodles also has a very active DAO with a large treasury. Nouns has a large DAO with a large treasury and little nouns as well. And I don't remember the exact quorum figures, but I know the ones for nouns and little nouns for sure. And quorum is around 10% uh, for both. And in fact, nouns DAO just raised their quorum dynamically. So every no vote that is cast increases the quorum a little bit. And so that way, unpopular or contentious proposals require a very high quorum, 15%, and then more popular proposals require a lower quorum. Um, and, you know, just to give you some some idea of that, voter turnout 
for a little nouns is around 2%. So out of like, let's say, 100 tokens, two of those are voting uh, to decide kind of what happens. And on nouns, now it's closer to around 10%, uh, which is like they're, they're almost right at quorum one-to-one. Um, so if you know, 100 people were tokens were voting, 10 of those would, would be active. Um, and one thing that we found is that as DAOs grow over time, as they get more members, th- those newer members are less likely to participate. And it's kind of like, I guess, any governing system, like even the ones we use as humans for our own governments. Um, when, when they get kind of large, people feel unimportant, um, you know, and so the participation is pretty low. So small organizations tend to have high participation. And even in that scenario, Nouns DAO, which is like a very small organization, around 400 token holders, and they have very large investments. A lot of these folks put in hundreds of thousands of dollars into these NFTs. And even their participation with all that's at stake and how small and close to the community is like 10%. So I think 45% quorum is very high from my observation. Yeah, thank you for that. Um... Okay, and so if if the organization, if Red Radio is thinking about lowering quorum, there's a lot of folks who are kind of concerned about sort of security or kind of whales kind of controlling the treasury. What's sort of your mental model to think about uh, or what kind of RDAO voters should be thinking about in terms of what's a safe quorum? What are the concerns about lowering it too much? What kind of advice would you have for us? You know, it- I think this, I, I wish it was easier to kind of contact some of these folks because they're not really accessible, but there's a group called The Verbs, and maybe I can find the name, and they're the smart contract developers for NounsDAO. They've been there for a couple months, and brilliant. They implemented the dynamic quorum functionality on NounsDAO. So basically, every no vote increases quorum by like a couple of percentage points, up to a cap at 15%. So my initial thought is that like, it doesn't have to be all or nothing, you know, like you can do a low quorum and if people like it and it's not contentious, um, then the quorum won't, won't go up. But if it's something that's unpopular, right, then every no vote increases that threshold and you can increase it dynamically in such, you could basically program, program quorum in such a way that um, it can be lower, but not give up the security of the DAO um, with dynamic quorum. Um, and there are some folks, maybe even at Nouns, that can talk about this because they just implemented and they have a, kind of a research article about this. Um, another thing I think is that, and I think, Brandon, you may have mentioned this a little while ago, which is like uh, Rug Radio is not on chain. That's an interesting thing. So, I mean, a, a true DAO, and uh, you know, you'll know, you hear this from Jacob, one of the founders of Nouns, and I, I also believe maybe a founder or a very high-level member of Zora, um, He'll, he'll say that, you know, a multi-sig is not a DAO, things like this. Basically, if it's not all on-chain, then it's not a real DAO. And I'm not a philosopher to tell you what's a real DAO and what's not a real DAO, but one of the consequences of having a DAO on-chain and quote-unquote being a real DAO is that if somebody has 51% of the vote, they can do whatever they want with their treasury, and there's nothing you can do. It's similar to a blockchain. If somebody's able to get, you know, I don't know the uh, term for like control, like the technical term for control on the blockchain. I think it's changed, it's not hash rate anymore. I think 
Ethereum is using proof of stake. But if you control 51% of the network, you can decide what happens. So if you're using Snapshot, you don't have that same risk. There's like a human layer between the actual vote and what you want to do. Um, and you have someone who can potentially identify an attack and do something about that. And nouns, that is, there is some some way around this as well when it's on chain that's with a veto but then the tricky situation becomes like under what circumstances or scenarios would you use a video veto and that's that's not clear on chain and that's not clear in real life either like under what circumstances do you impeach like it seems really obvious right like oh you do something bad but it's, i mean when, when, when it actually happens it's not as easy so i would say you you guys have that layer there as well that kind of human layer to kind of veto that the outcome Right, right, exactly. Um, okay, and so I'm going to kind of open up the floor. Got a bunch of people on stage. Loxley, welcome. GM, Maboots, Tanya. Um, if anyone wants to throw out questions about Quorum while we're talking about it, feel free. Tanya, jump in. Um, hello, Baba. Hello, Loxley. Hello, everyone. So I, I find your take on, uh, you know, Dynamic Quorum very interesting. Um we have a lot of discussion at the moment about the, you know, upgrading or updating our voting system and, you know, trying to find a balance between um, members who are concerned with security, uh, members who would like to just see the quorum reduced and members who are concerned about the balance of power to make sure that you know the the big holders don't take um, don't have all the control over the voting, and then uh, the small holders might uh, you know be lost somewhere and won't have a voice. So we have you know you mentioned that in nouns you have about four hundred. Uh, uh, no, sorry, how many was it? Four hundred voters, four hundred members with voting power. Right? Is that right? Yeah, so for nouns, it's 400. For little nouns, it's around 6,000. Ah, okay. So at the moment for Rug Radio, I think we have above uh, 3,000. So what what would your, like, what, what can you suggest to balance between, you know, having a quorum low enough so we can pass important uh, proposals which are for the benefit of the community? We just recently had one which just missed the the passing the quorum by a few votes, which you know a lot of us were disappointed about. Um, how what is what is the calculation to do? How would you what can, what recommendations can you make? So I don't think it's like a prescription that you can write for everyone. I think that <laughs> um, because you have been around and voting for a period of time, there should be some data on the averages and so i think you can take into account voter apathy over time and how that is eating away at participation and also some of your your averages to kind of find the number that makes sense for rug radio because i do think these things have to be improved and changed over time just like real governments and i think that's kind of some of the problem with thousand generals that like um we don't adapt and build the structures around the core DAO functionality to make this kind of thing easy. So I, I think that I don't have a recommendation. I do understand your concern about which parameter would be correct. And I think that the best way to do that would be to kind of look at 
the participation historically for rug radio and see what kind of margin makes sense for kind of protecting the DAO, but also being accessible. Thanks. Yeah, we've, we've, I have uh, pulled some stats and I, I, you know, I was just wondering and also just like today, one of the members um, mentioned that, you know, if we have a certain quorum and then suddenly, you know, we have some big players who don't vote, then, you know, it completely shift everything and we could like totally miss that quorum. So the dynamic element, I think, could come very handy here. Yep, for sure. Um, Maboots or Max, Loxley, anyone want to jump in? Or uh, I also invited uh, Will B up. I've seen you, Will, on um, in Discord. If you've got any questions, really kind of want to open the floor and quorum. Um, uh, if we want, we can also kind of move on towards Prop House. But uh, anyone want to say anything more about uh, quorum? Can I ask a question, uh, Baba? And I'm sorry if it's a bit noisy. I'm just on the street. Um, but I'm interested in nouns and I guess little nouns as being the kind of leaders in a lot of ways. They're, they're, they've solved a lot of these problems well before anyone else, I guess, because the starting point from 4156 was sort of ultra purist approach with, you know, on-chain and true DAO kind of philosophy. Um, and then you see, I think, a lot of other um, projects wrestle with that balance of are they how traditional and how much human input do they have and how um, how purist they are. But my question would be, if you, today, if you were starting Baba Dao and, and starting from scratch, how much of the nouns infrastructure that's already been built would you just take as a starting point? In other words, you know, they look like they're specifically building for composability and open sourcing and things like that. And, you know, Rug Radio could spend a lot of time and oxygen and everything trying to solve these problems internally, or they could just take an off-shelf composable solution. And, you know, composability has been one of the really exciting things along with open source that attracts a lot of people. And I'm just interested in, as a builder within Nouns and Little Nouns, what, how you would approach that if you were starting from scratch. Yeah, I would definitely use the nouns infrastructure for this. They just made uh, release nouns builder, um, which nouns paid a thousand each for like a week ago. And you can set up a DAO with roughly the same amount of effort that it takes you to set up a Gnosis multi-sig. I mean, it takes more effort. You need artwork and stuff. I mean, not even actually. If you don't want any artwork, you can just make it like one image for the tokens. And... um if I was going to do it, I mean, me personally, I don't think I would launch it because I don't want to have launched a token. I don't know the uncertainties around that as an individual. But if I, let's say, had some type of like protections from the law and all with tokens and everything, then, yeah, I would use a, a noun builder to kind of launch it and in, in, in build natively. Um, the one thing I think is kind of missing or that can improve within nouns and little nouns is that um i think that the mission is too ambiguous i think one good thing about the pods and the groups within the dao is that 
it's more discreet. And I think that when you have a DAO that has a very clear mission, it's very easy. It's easier for you to decide how, how to allocate capital. When you just want to proliferate the meme, it's so broad in scope that it, it makes it a true challenge. So I, I think I would kind of, I would take the nounish kind of uh, infrastructure and leverage composability and the power of a blockchain and token weighting voting. But I would also kind of make my ambition to a niche. And so I can attract those specific people that have, and the people would have the expertise and they would then kind of the, the value would kind of compound and, and then it would make the, the hard decision of allocating capital a lot easier in my opinion. And I would also, um, try to establish some areas of like counsel or control. I think that like one problem with that I've noticed with nouns and low nouns is that because it's really like truly decentralized and there's no authorities, then it can just go very chaotic sometimes. Not all the times. Um, and I think that's kind of the downside in the DAO. So the, the upside is the creativity and the freedom and the flexibility. But the downside is that because there's no like, there's no one who even if they do have the votes, they're not going to stand on the soapbox because they don't need to. They can just vote you down. So there's no one who can really like stand and represent an idea. So I, I think having more entities there that can kind of be a point of reference um, would, would be beneficial. So my two answers are um, a more narrow scope and like more uh, like silos of centralization. Um, and then, yeah, I think everything else can stay the same. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Um, again, sort of open floor. If anyone else wants to talk about Quorum, uh, Will, I got to see you. You got your hand up. Why don't you jump up and unmute? Thanks. Hey, Baba. Um, so, quick question for you. Just in terms, you, you mentioned that you know, with the number of uh, people that you have in Will Nouns and everything, that you guys did notice sort of an attrition or whatever. I guess a, a less participation over time, um, especially as new members came on board. Uh, were there any activities or any sort of, you know, missions that you kind of undertook to try to increase that engagement at all that might be helpful to us? Yeah. So I think the first thing was from the data perspective. So what we wanted to understand was like, who is voting? Who is not voting? What is the trend over time? Like, how are we trending against corn? If we're making corn, why are we making it? Who's voting on it to make us make quorum? And if we're not meeting quorum, who's not? So I think a lot of it was like understanding what the issues were um, and looking at the data. And then from there, we had some team members who would host weekly meetings to brainstorm with the community on different ways to improve uh, voting. So I think this was pretty recent, but like one way is like uh, gas because we're voting on chain, you have to pay. So like removing the barrier of paying for voting is one way. Um, another one is like voting incentives, right? So like, actually like giving people like little nouns or pull apps to vote um, is something that kind of we, we spoke about as a community. So I, I think there was a number of ideas and I, I wasn't too involved on the implementation. Um, I, I kind of, when you are like just looking at all the data and you're very familiar with it, it's very easy to kind of like weaponize that so I was always trying to stay away from like implementing solutions and was just trying to be unbiased in the way we represented the data. It's kind of how we siloed it out. But yeah, I don't really have many recommendations. 
on how to improve um, participation. I think this is like an existential problem for <laughs> for DAOs in general. Um, I think that the one thing that we've seen that has worked is delegation, and that is basically getting votes to the people who are participating instead of trying to find ways to make the people participate who aren't participating. Um, I think this makes it, it's particularly challenges with NFTs because a lot of people may buy an NFT just because they want the artwork. Like they literally have no intention of voting at all. And so some of these problems, they're not really possible to solve. So um, we, we don't really try to boil the ocean. We try to look for kind of what is established and what we can do. And I think that the precedent in representative democracies in the real world and also on chain have shown that like when you delegate to people, uh, it, it's an effective mechanism for getting vote turnout. I mean, not voter turnout, but actually those tokens voted. Yeah, getting them represented for sure. And so, you know, from just the standpoint of like the market and everything, have you guys, um, just from whatever you could say, have you guys noticed just massive drop off with things just being so bad, <laughs> down so bad? So one thing that a common trend that we saw across DAOs is that as the members increase over time, their participation decreases. It's a correlation. And so little nouns is just, we're minting up to one token every 15 minutes, right? So it's just, we are in like a, like a, ver a very, very, very challenging situation from a governor's perspective. Um, we, we took something that kind of was working pretty well in nouns and we tweaked the parameter from 24 hours to 15 minutes. It's, it's an extreme kind of change. So in many ways, we're dealing with something new. And I don't think that even the builders, when they thought of the idea, realized the impact this would have on governance. Um, because the, the, the kind of mission for Little Nouns is more aligned with accessibility rather than like, you know, governance. But once you have a fully fledged DAO on chain, then your tokens, they become governance tokens. And so by consequence, um, you have to kind of consider these things. So these are like negative externalities of modifying a parameter that we're trying to deal with. Interesting technical challenge. Yeah, for sure. Got it. Thank you for that. And Barbara, if, if you, in your analysis, if you take those variables of member size, time from launch, um, number of proposals and that kind of thing, do you think the quorum is predictable in a sense like could you graph it out and you know in regular voting and polling it's interesting how close some of the predictions can be and you know when we talk about dynamic quorum could you make another layer of dynamic quorum by saying well we know your DAO size is this and this is what your historical turnout is and we expect you know this you know in, in that analysis do you think that that is consistent or were they fairly variable across Uniswap and those other more established DAOs? I think it's pretty consistent, but the problem you will, you'll have then is that like, if you're predicting and publishing your anticipated quorum and actually modifying your quorum based on that prediction, then an attacker can just like, you know, use this information to figure out the cheapest possible cost to acquire tokens and attack the, the DAO. So there's a bit of a risk. But yeah, you can plot the quorum. Is, you can plot it out over time. The voter participation, you can plot it over time. And also the 
uh, vote turnout, even part of overtime, all that is kind of it trends on averages. Hey, Baba, while, while people are listening, could you plug your site? Uh, is it nounsmetrics.wtf where people can kind of see what you built for nouns? Yeah, yeah, it's nounsmetrics.wtf um, that's there. And then also, it's a little hard to find. Um, actually, maybe I can... Oh, if, if you go to my profile, actually, you'll, you'll be able to see um, the pinned tweets should have the projects that we built for nouns and if you, yeah, so data.nounsmetrics, that's kind of one website. There's a couple of websites you built. Um, yeah, so there's a, a links page. So you can see the main client, Nounsmetrics, kind of how we organize some of the voter profiles, have leaderboards for gamification, things like that. Um, you can also go to the Dune. So there's like a curated Dune page, and it's like 15 different dashboards that break down governance and auctions and all, all kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, just click through my uh, my profile and on the, the pinned tweet, just scroll down to links and you'll be able to see this kind of stuff we organize for, for nouns. Fantastic. And um, want to welcome anyone else up. If anyone has questions, Loxley or anyone wants to say anything. Um, yeah, yeah Locks, what's sure. up, man? Gia. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm actually, I'm, I'm curious. Baba, thanks for taking the time and chatting with us. Um, on, like, I know we all look to nouns and, and you know, little, like the little nouns as an extension of, of, of that nouns ethos and, and like, uh, process as, uh, as kind of, um, you know, guiding, guiding stars in, in this, you know, the space of specifically NFT uh, driven DAOs. Um, but, like, I, I guess, um, you know, the, the mission or objective of the little nouns, um, do you guys have like a, 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 I guess, what is the mission statement? And is that like, is the, uh, it, are, do you see a lot of your proposals and successful projects that are being funded um, off of the, off of, off of Dow grants? Um, you know, are they, are they really well aligned with the uh with that mission statement or do you find that there's a lot of variability and um you know and and, and people just kind of uh trying to take it where you know in, in in directions that maybe wasn't the original intent of of the doubt does that make sense no it does make sense and the mission is to proliferate the meme um and this in part goes it's associated with cc zero and the idea that um CC0 licensing is like a, like, a, like a very, very compatible license for the internet and that the network effects associated with an open license um, will outweigh like the current licensing model that's used by corporations. So proliferate the meme is kind of the mission. And yeah, no, I, there are situations where people get way off from the, the mission um, or people disagree on what the mission is kind of ambiguous. People have different interpretations. Um, that's why when I was asked about what I would change, it would be to proliferate a particular aspect of the meme. And it's not so much that people are good or bad or that they align or don't align. I think is that because when you proliferate the meme, that's such a broad thing that you have people from all walks of life and somebody who's technical may not be able to assess something that is artistic and so forth. And the people voting aren't well equipped to make the type of decisions like 
to fund this like you well we aren't qualified to be to deciding how this money is, is going so i think if, if you were to kind of scope it a little better in like smaller kind of sub dows that had a, a focused strong expertise maybe even pods something like this i think at the very least the people who are voting have some interest or under, level of understanding in, in the topic and subject matter and i think that will lead to more quality uh kind of reviews and proposals and support Hey, um, if I could jump in here, Locks, I hope you don't mind, but that's like a perfect, perfect segue to talk about Prop House. And so I wonder, Baba, if you can um, talk to us about kind of what is Prop House um, and why, why are you qualified to speak about it? <laughs> I don't know why I'm qualified. Um, I guess I've, I've been watching it for a while. Uh, looked at some data on it. I guess that may be why. Um, but what, what Prop House is is that um, – it moves, it's, it's a way of allocating capital. Uh, one very challenging thing that DAOs have is like figuring out what to spend money on. When you have a bunch of people who can just yell and scream and vote however way they want, um, you get pulled in a lot of different directions. And so it becomes like very, very challenging to just like come together and decide, okay, let's do this. Um, so what Propos is, is that it, it's a mechanism that makes it a little easier for DAOs. So in, instead of having the traditional model where you have kind of one proposer that comes to the DAO with their predefined idea and their predefined ask, and they tell the DAO what they want to build for the DAO, and the DAO can only decide to vote yes or no for it. What Prophouse does is that it, it kind of turns the proposal or the funding process from like a proposal process to more of a bounty process and the DAO is like okay I know I don't necessarily know how to build websites right so instead of just having somebody come and tell me they're going to build me a website and me saying yes or no I'll create a bounty for this particular task and I'll pay a couple of people to work on this right so you you, you do a couple in interesting things here so one thing you do is that you make it so that the DAO has some level of optionality. So they're not just looking at one person, one proposal, one price. They're looking at a range of people and proposals, right? Um, and a second thing you do is you take the pricing component away. So instead of somebody coming to you and say, I'll do this for, you know, $100,000, $200,000, the DAO can come and say, I'm only going to pay $50,000 for this, or I'll pay $500,000 for this. Um, so, you know, it kind of brings the pricing power back to the DAO. Um, and it also allows the DAO to look at other options when they're funding something so they don't miss out on the opportunity cost of having funded some, some somebody else. Um, and, the, and the last thing is like it's also uh, token weighted so you can have like the voters and DAO participate in the same way they participate on chain. Um, and I think one quirk in Prop House, which I didn't like in the beginning, but I guess it's a feature, is that it's very difficult for whales to control it because because it's not one proposal being voted on, because it's many proposals, whales have to split their vote across all the available proposals. And so they can't decide who wins all of the proposals. They may can decide one, maybe two. Um, but it does leave scope for like the collective DAO to come together and decide the other couple of people they want to fund. Um, so it kind of gives the DAO a voice. So it's like a, it, it's a way of the DAOs of funding things instead of by proposal, more like by kind of like bounty, kind of like a bounty. Uh, funding mechanism. Awesome. And um, we touched on this a bit before, but to kind of explain this kind of what this is, 
you were part of a project that won a, a nouns governance mandate bounty, right? Can you sort of explain what, what was the bounty that nouns was looking for? And then what was your prop for that uh, prop house round? Yeah. So the bounty, what nouns wanted to solve for was they were like, um, we want to improve our governance. Right. Um, and they gave some examples. They were like, you can build applications, you can write reports, um, basically, you can do in, anything that you, you can write smart contracts. Um, so building technical solutions uh, to address the governance needs. And so you had some like 30 odd proposals that were made. A lot of them were uh, front end applications. Some of them, I think one of them was a smart contract and ours was focused on data. And we, we really spent some time kind of curating all the data for announced out and building out kind of an application that um, in our view made governance more intuitive. And that's the uh, noundsmetrics.wtf. That's the product of, of that round, right? Well, nowsmetric.wtf is one deliverable from that round. So what we built was, it was a, a multi-part project. It was a data curation project. So we went on chain and we organized all the data. And we broke it down into three main categories, governance, auction, and treasury. And we split that uh, into kind of 15 dashboards on Dune uh, that's accessible for anybody to go and look up. So that was kind of the, the curation part. So we didn't really know what was out there. So we had to go digging. So we kind of did some data mining. Um, the second part was that uh, we wanted to integrate the on-chain and the off-chain data together and visualize that. And so the way that it's done in Dune currently um, is that you can only really look at on-chain data. If you want to look at off-chain data, you can, but there are a lot of limitations with that. So we kind of use some open source software uh, built by the Apache Foundation, Apache Superset, and we basically rebuilt uh, kind of a nounish instance of Dune, and we use that to visualize some on-chain and off-chain data so we can look at different uh, parameters on the uh, voter participation and you know footprint and activity within the DAO. Uh, and then the last thing was that uh, we kind of built a, a user interface on top of the platform, so now's metrics at WTF is the user interface that showcases the capabilities that you get from kind of integrating this on-chain, off-chain data together in one place. And what did um, what did the nouns pay for you? What was the bounty for this particular deliverable? That was twenty ETH. Uh, so they they gave I think five builders twenty ETH. So they spent a hundred ETH, and they got five different uh, deliverables for that. Uh, for that bounty. And so your team got 20 ETH and there were four other winners. Could you give a kind of a brief overview if you remember what they did? I think Agora was one, House of Nouns was one. Yeah, Nounish Discourse Killer. So that was like, it was a way of applying token weighted voting onto comments and social discussions so that you can see the, the like the voting power of the person you're talking to. Um, one was like uh, Federation, which is like permissionless DAO to DAO uh, voting, which was a smart contract. 
and then uh, Agora, which was like a website that was focused on improving delegation. And then lastly, there was um, House of Nouns, which is like a governance client that allows you to see the comments for on-chain proposals in one place. Fantastic. Um, does anyone else up on stage have questions or want to jump in here? Really kind of an open forum if anyone wants. Yeah, um, um, we'd really love to, so, so kind of hearing you talk today, Baba, um, I imagine that, you know, with all of your work associated with, with nouns and little nouns, you've gained like a range of understandings about kind of human behavior in all sorts of different circumstances. I'm wondering, like, is there, is there anything that you've come to understand about yourself that you weren't fully aware of um, before, before all of this? Uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't think I really learned anything about myself um, that much. I mean, when you work this closely with DAOs, you just have to do a lot of, like, uh, you know, you have to interact with a lot of people. And I have an engineering background. I'm not in engineering anymore, but I'm very much about solving problems. And, you know, <laughs> I just, I mean, I have noticed that it can be very frustrating to have to deal with so many different opinions, many of which are not like, like they're just kind of like distraction kind of. So I, I, I noticed that just DAOs in general can stress you out. <laughs> so that, that, okay, I'm so curious about that. So have, what have you found to be effective about how you operate um, to kind of to deal with these frustrations or to deal with other things like this? Um, because it, it won't be sort of these traits or skills or, um, ways of approaching you have won't won't necessarily be things that everyone has. So one thing I think DAOs are just addictive. I think once you get involved in a group of people just doing random stuff, you just it's interesting. I, I don't know. There's that's one. There's something about it that is like keeps you coming back. Um, the second thing is like nouns pay very well, right? Like I was getting like ten, fifteen thousand dollars a month at one point to build on this. So like yeah, I'll spend my time and I'll deal with all the nonsense and yeah i'm getting paid for it um so that's one thing that nouns does uniquely like if they want something done they will pay very well to have it done and then um another thing is like when you build in the dao it's not like building a company where you have to find users like the dao is your user so you can find a product market fit for whatever you're building within the dao so it's like a community you, you get that kind of you kind of get that community uh feedback that you wouldn't get if you were like building the company. Um, so those are a couple, couple of things to kind of keep you around. Oh, cheers, man. I think um, that, that I think is a really important thing to highlight. Or what I'm hearing from you is, is yeah, the, the fact that there will be such frustrations involved with dealing with people. And I totally like from a range of different areas, I know that too, sort of how distracting dealing with all sorts of random takes can be, but having it well incentivized, um, I, yeah, it's so clear how important that is to have those key builders and leaders stay in there and stick it through. Legend, thank you. Yeah, and I, I just to give an example, I think I was listening to a talk with Farouk a while back, and he was talking about the power of DAOs and how you guys needed a, a governance dashboard, and he reached out and somebody built it for a thousand bucks, and I think you guys have one of the one of the better governance dashboards that, that I've seen. It, it's very complete. Uh, I've, I've looked over it. But, you know, just to give you an analogy, like, for example, although you can tap into the power of community to build a dashboard, 
Um, one thing that kind of nouns does a little differently is like they didn't just ask us to build the dashboard, they asked us to own data and they didn't give us a thousand bucks. They gave us like, you know, $15,000 a month for a couple of months. So like this, that kind of style of working and, you know, equity to builders is I think what creates these unique opportunities to get understanding on areas where, you know, you probably otherwise may not. Have. Love it. Love it. Yeah. At, at the time when you guys did that, do you recall what the noun treasury was? So this was little nouns, and it, I mean, I think it was around seven hundred to a thousand ETH has floated there for for quite some time. I think the difference is that uh, we were at the time we were printing like maybe twenty, thirty ETH a week in treasury sales. So now it's like basically zero. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so funding us was like not even a week. I think it may have been more at the time. It could have been like maybe thirty or forty ETH a week. So we weren't even like a half of a week uh, worth of revenue. That uh, bull market cash printing was uh, was something else, wasn't it? <laughs> oh man, like that's a big that's a big part, right? And I'm sure, like Baba, you've looked at that too. Is um, is kind of a capital attrition and, and sustainability, right? Because like part of aside from being on chain, like that that autonomous nature of of DAOs kind of takes, in in my opinion, um, it's multifaceted. One, uh, I think you know to be truly a a, a DAO and not just a DO is uh requ you know requires eventually um you know being being an a true on-chain autonomous organization right um uh, but then the other part about about you know uh, autonomy is sustainability and in, in my opinion actually being able to to um you know to, to build sustainably and to be able to um again like without you know without the proliferation of the of the meme of the nouns meme um you know, producing more sales, right? Which uh, that's that's kind of like the beautiful thing about nouns and little nouns is you have potentially infinite supply, right? Um, and the proliferation of that increases the increases the treasury, um, and it's just it's just a, a beautiful system that you know that that they built over there with nouns. It's it's really impressive. And thank you so much, Luxley. That was you know such a great such an important question. I think that context in terms of sustainability as well with these amounts. Um, so yeah, appreciate that. It was great. Hey, look a lot, Max. Max, you've got your hand up. I was just going to ask, Baba, you mentioned links and lots of things that you've built. And um, I'm sure a lot of people would, you know, and myself, I guess, um, keen to look at all of those. And my question was, I was very surprised when Nouns deleted, or I'm not sure if it was a vote, but they, they have elected to delete the Discord. And so the question is, like, for you day-to-day, in uh, both discoverability and community and network and things like that, is little nouns is that being discussed? And and what's your take on you know when you look at nouns, it can be so huge and vague as you say. Like that, there is so much going on. It, 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 sometimes I find it hard to even find what's going on and where and and that kind of thing. So what what's your view on 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 that? Do you do you spend most of your time in Twitter or where where do you network? Yeah, so there's there's a lot of instead of having one main Discord, there's many smaller Discords, and I think that um, for SubDAO, I think what it did was it turned a, so it used to be like a noun was like a membership pass, but instead of a membership pass, it turned every noun into like its own DAO. So in that sense, because it changed from like a membership pass to a DAO, I I mean personally, I, I find it to be a little more empowering. 
because it's more about you know getting network effects and community versus uh, individual personalities, um, which I we you know we didn't have before. We were just you know all voting on chain, and so it kind of aligned pretty well. So I find that like there's more opportunity now for you know folks who are still involved and engaged in subdials than there were before. Um, there were a couple of nouners that were OG that were very involved um, in the old Discord, and you know a lot of the conversation and stuff was token gated. You know, you, you, you wouldn't be able to get into meetings with the nouners and onto their calls and see what's going on. So you, you really kind of, you, you, you had the sense that you didn't know everything that was going on. Uh, and that was a value proposition, actually. It's just like, there's a level of exclusivity um, in, in being a noun. And so they kind of removed that layer of exclusivity. And I, I think that whether it's positive or negative for like individual noun holders, I think for kind of like these sub dials, like little nouns, it's been net positive. So would you call little nouns you would, it, that is kind of regarded as a sub dial of nouns? Not official. There's no official sub dial for nouns. Um, the CC0 meme is free and open. Um, that's just the term that they refer to for kind of affiliate DAOs. Um, yeah, associated by. Yeah. If I could jump in, Bob, just to use your framework, every noun is its own DAO. Well, nouns, we own eight nouns, right? So can that make us a sub DAO by that measure? Yeah, but then that's more philosophical and interpret based on interpretation somebody else may interpret it differently but i mean yeah i would think of it like this but trying to be as objective as possible like i, I don't i don't want people to think that i'm saying like yeah we're an official sub or something like this but uh yeah I mean, technically we kind of function in that way gotcha gotcha tanya you had your hand up you want to jump in yeah um coming back to the prop house um is it the the dao actually putting um, forward all the proposals or can um, build community builders come and put their own proposals into the prop house so, I mean does it, does it all start with a DAO and if so um, it what do, should it be open just to the community members or do you think it should be opened up to a broader audience or broader, broader applicants I think a mix is good. Um, I think having people who aren't in the DAO build can be positive. I think the negative is less so about builders building and like scammers or grifters who are trying to like just push the same idea across multiple houses. Um, but yeah, I, I think you should definitely reward your builders, but you shouldn't let them get complacent where it's just a free handout every time you do a thing for bad ideas, for personalities. Um, so yeah, I would say mix it up a little. I was under the impression that that uh, also community builders could come and submit a proposal, but from what you're saying, it's just the DAO um, submitting the proposal, uh, submitting the proposals, and um, waiting for community builders to come and and make you know put in their offer. Yeah, so uh, the, I think a mental model is like uh, a bounty. So the DAO will say like, we want to do this thing, right? And they'll they'll open up a time period for when they want to do it. And they'll say, we'll pay 
this amount to these many people. And what happens then is that people will apply for that bounty. They'll submit for that bounty, a proposal. I can do it. I can do it. This is my parameter. This is what I want to do. And then from there, the voters within the DAO will pick between these range of options. And then the winners will get the ETH allocated by the DAO over the period of time preset at the beginning of the bounty. So, Tanya, to clarify, like, based on what, like, for instance, um, if, if Rug Radio were to adopt the, the prop house model, right, um, we could also, aside from having mandates, we could also have open-ended, um, like, funding seasons, right? So if we said, hey, um, you know, open proposals, anybody can submit a proposal, top five proposals are going to get half an ETH each to do whatever it is within this certain scope right and that scope that scope might specifically be that this season we want to focus on we want to focus on technical builds or hey we want to focus on content this season or in theory like if the if the dow didn't make any such mandates or or um you know it, somebody could put forth proposals to uh to to take a bounty um but the amount is preset it's not it's not a system um that says hey this is what i want to build and i want you know 12 ETH to do it while the guy next to you is saying hey i want seven ETH to do something else um but if that makes sense if that clarifies a little bit Yes, thank you. Thank you. That clarifies it. Thanks. Yeah, but I, I do also like, so I think, Loxley, what you described at the end is kind of like a talent-based round. So I, I don't like that everything is proposal-based. I've been fighting on this a long time. I like the fact that you, I think people should be able to say that I want to build this for X amount over this period of time and have the DAO decide as well. And I, I think the benefit of Prop House is that you get a like a fixed amount you want to spend and you get a, you know, like a, a fixed time period you're allocating over and the voters can decide. Um, so I think that's one thing that now should do more. And I, it, the talent round got voted up pretty high on the last mandate, like a crowd, crowdsourcing the mandate, but it, it, it lost out the couple other ideas. But that, I, I think that that's also a good, a good way. Yeah, and anyone listening, um, I just pinned, I uh, figured out how to pin a tweet in this space. I pinned the prop house round for the round that Baba won. This is the five twentieth projects to improve governance. Um, and so actually this is kind of a good point, Bob, is everything here is on chain, right? So the fact that you did this round, that you won this round, what you produced, there's sort of um, data that's going to follow your reputation around day to day on chain, right? So one thing about prop house is that it's new i think they started building it this year and right now it is permissioned so it's not on chain right now um you have some builders who have built things like soul bound nfts for prop house round winners and things like this um the apis they use are accessible but yeah it's not it's it's siloed it's not on chain quite yet so unfortunately yeah i wouldn't have that Okay, th thanks for pointing that out. But it is pinned, and anyone can click on that link and uh, see what you, how you drafted your prop house, what you were funded for, and follow all that data, um, even if it's permission now. Um, any any other questions about prop house or discussion about Rug Radio as it as applied to prop house? Um, anyone, feel free to raise your hand if you're not on stage, or if you are and you want to say something. Tanya, go for it. 
Uh, yes, a question to Loxley. Um, Loxley, I was wondering what type of pro what type of projects um, Rock Radio will be putting forward um, if the prop house gets uh, approved, hopefully in the next vote. Yeah, the prop house proposal that we put forward um, was the 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 intent was to open up a. Uh, a uh, I'm not going to say frictionless, but open up a, a funding um, uh, application for community members with, you know, minimized friction and make it a lot easier for the community to be able to uh, to be able to receive some funding to build. And, the you know, sitting in, in, in meetings with the core team, um, we, we didn't necessarily have, uh, you know, target mandates in mind. Uh, but rather, we saw all the work that guys like Brannigan and Max and, uh, you know, and, and Fearful and Will and everybody's been putting into, um, you know, into the, the Ardow holders chat. And um, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things we've talked about. And, and Brannigan knows that, you know, we've brought people like uh, Rye Guy and a few others to do newsletters or other things. And we have a core team budget. Um, but then we also have the Dow Treasury. Right. And they're two they're two very different things. And we wanted to, to open up the opportunity for people who were building, um, you know, to, to have accessibility to funds in, in somewhat of a, a to-be-determined, um, uh, you know, way, a to-be-determined to mandate. Um, so to answer your question shortly, like, we don't, um, I don't have anything right now that is, um, that is in stone. Like, we haven't, we haven't, uh, like definitively determined uh, what those proposals would be uh, more so that the mission was to be able to return value, um, you know, to, to holders who've been actively and anxiously awaiting, uh, you know, an opportunity to be able to build. Great. So um, question to uh, Bobo. Uh, Baba, sorry. Um, Baba, before, like earlier on, you mentioned um, some tools to make it easier for DAOs to allocate capital um, besides uh, the prop house that was in a call before the Twitter space. Could you um, like possibly give us a little um, summary of the of what you've mentioned before? Yeah, so I think prop house is that is that tool um, <laughs> to make it easier to allocate capital. So there was another. There was another. Two tools that the nouns use. So on, on chain, which is probably similar to the way you're currently voting on snapshot, and then the last one is through our grants, which is a grant is like a multi sig that you're given some ETH for a particular purpose. So instead of having people like vote on chain for what it's going to be funded, this multi sig has a couple people that decide based on their discretion what they want to fund. So it's not necessarily better, it's just faster. One thing about on-chain, take a lot of time, uh, requires a lot of ETH, a lot of coordination. But instead of doing that, you can kind of come directly to this grant committee and they can kind of give you funding fast. Yeah, and just to circle back, you that was your initial funding source, right? You went to a multi-sig early on, Baba? Yeah, yeah. I just I built something and I went to the multi-sig, got some funding. And then um, I was subsequently funded through that same grant for the next couple of months all on chain. Yeah, Max, go for it. 
I'm interested, Barbara, in, you know, just in the practical implementation of a proposal. Have you found in little nouns or nouns, you know, in general terms, how do you succeed? Like, is it a matter of um, grouping together with different types of builders or do you have any kind of um, rules of thumb about what you think is a reasonable proposal and how to pitch it and that kind of practical thing as far as ProPass goes? No, no, I, I, I don't actually. I think the most important thing for prop house is figuring out what the DAO needs and finding qualified builders and making sure they, they, they're aware the DAO needs those things. And I think from there, um, kind of the ideas will come in. And the beauty is that you don't need to know. Once you see 10 ideas, you can kind of use that as a reference point to decide which ones you want, you want, you want to fund and which ones you don't, which is, I think, the key difference from being on chain is that you, you don't have that optionality you can't compare uh you just have to kind of take it or leave it for a specific price specific time all that as someone who's voted many many times in, in prop house and on chain how do you what do you what do you look for in terms of a qualified builder i mostly look for on, on, on the technical side um i have a technical background so I, that's what my, my strong suit is, trying to see if what they're building is valuable and scalable for the, the cost. And that's something that I can evaluate based on my own expertise. And I think beyond that, I don't really focus too much on proposals. I've, I think I've been very vocal from the beginning that I think we can fund whatever we want to fund. The main thing that I'm mostly concerned about is budgeting, sustainability. Like my, I'm more concerned that we'll go broke and we'll fun too many bad uh ideas and and uh yeah so i i, I don't quite know i don't have the, the formula the framework especially with nouns because the proposals they are so broad you some people want to give to charity some people want to build software some people want to make a video it's like who am i to say what's good and what's bad um you know i default to buying a noun just buy it now <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Um, any anyone else? And by the way, if you're in the audience and you want to jump up on stage, Maboots, go for it. But uh, open floor here. If anyone has questions, Maboots. Yeah, um, Luxley, I was really curious to hear your thoughts. So I think like Rug, Rug Radio, with, with all the hosted shows out there, is in such you know an incredibly unique position to not only introduce new people to Rug Radio, um, but also get the word out on key matters such as as DAO activities and. You know, I think one of the, I know this has been discussed a bit, but um, one of the things that would be great to see at some point, and I know work's being done, is the discover, like the discoverability of shows. Um, and even something as simple like traditional, you know, radio websites will have a, a live now type feature, you know, jump on and see what's happening. And I was kind of thinking with more activities like that in support of hosts, vice versa, um, hosts could be more inclined as well to get the word out on key and you know not not to the extent of the like having worked in, in traditional media you know all the hosts in every show across the 48 hour period will have a little script on something at times to promote but not necessarily to that sort of mandated extent but i'm just wondering sort of how much is that part of the team's thinking about um that relationship or that role that that hosts could play um to communicate kind of key messaging to activate the community 
Yeah. So um, I don't know how familiar you are with with um, the the deal that we struck with Builder. Um, originally, we brought on Builder. Builder is a dev firm out of Austin. Um, I actually uh, 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 I, I meet with the guys uh, there regularly because I'm based in Austin. Um, you know, we we meet up for for coffee with a group of uh, one of our one of our board ape groups here down in um, in the Austin area um, for you know, on Tuesdays or on Wednesday mornings. Um, and then, uh, and then, so, you know, but we, we worked back and forth with them quite a bit. Originally they were tasked with building exactly what you're talking about, building a platform for syndication, um, uh, aggregation of, of content, uh, you know, and then, um, and then from there, um, you know, that was part of our, that was, that was part of the original plan for, for content distribution. Um, I, they they were engaged um, before before I joined the team to do this work, um, and it's been it's been a challenge, right? I like full transparency. I personally don't think that um, that it's the right solution for what we're trying to accomplish. Um, a lot of effort's been expended recently, uh, and by recently I mean the last six months, trying to trying to get to a point where um, where we have a good, solid, usable product with a decent UI with those guys. And uh, some of the communication um, on the back end around organizing uh, hosts and, and, um, and content creators to, again, like proliferate the brand, right? And, and the down engagement has kind of fallen by the wayside. Um, this upcoming week, we actually have, uh, we have some meetings now that we're finally getting the you know there's a lot of structural stuff that uh you know with with legal and all that that we've been talking about that's been extremely intensive um that's kind of on autopilot now until until um uh you know the end of the year so mid-december we'll finally have uh the you know the rug radio and rug dow will be uh cayman foundation um and that's largely out of out of my hands at this point and it's on it's on our legal teams um, handling that. So it's like now we have a little bit of runway this upcoming week to, to start focusing on um, some of these other details that I feel like have kind of gotten like lost in the weeds or, or swept under the rug. Um, but, you know, it's a it's an interesting concept. Um, we we have been getting content creators and hosts. Um, we've been recruiting and getting people on board. And largely it's been currently um, to kind of um, to to it like enhance our ubiquity right like we we want rug radio on the media side to be everywhere right like we have to have we have to have uh, a recognizable uh, brand a, across the the board and it's really interesting to see some of the changes that are happening with um, twitter and, and kind of how these spaces are being distributed um, but what i would say is that we have we have a ton of resources available to us in terms of human capital and the people that are participating in creating the rug radio brand. And I don't think we're being efficient in the way that we're, the way that we're using them. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question at all, but just know that like, it's on the top of my mind. Um, and, uh, and I think like with some of these, like some updates that you guys will see in the coming weeks on some executive leadership and some efficiencies that, um, you know, that, that will be enhanced um it should help resolve a lot of that because i think there's i think i think we're 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 really missing out on a lot of a lot of our potential opportunity for for you know brand growth and specifically uh you know dow participation 
That, no, really appreciate that, Loxley. That's um, no, you. Did, I mean, didn't answer my question in the sense. I'm like, I'm, I'm really hoping this is clearly on someone, someone's mind and the energy, and even just from you know a listener standpoint, as someone who um, loves rug radio, like honestly, every week I'm like, I'd love to check out some more shows, and the process of just trying to you know convert to time zones, hunt out the hosts, see if they've done a space, is at the same time. Um, I know, I know, I, I would probably times ten my listening of rug radio shows with a really smooth process. So it's, it's mainly from that that love. Um, standpoint and then yeah i mean seeing seeing a really effective relationship happening there would would feed so well into everything else um that's happening hey let me um let me jump in here just to thank baba for coming he's got to run he's been with us for 75 minutes thank you really appreciate baba thank you where baba where can people find you um what's your twitter handle you know we're going to be on podcast so yeah yeah mostly on twitter um you can kind of reach me anytime just send me a, a message uh, it's underscore da baba d a b a b a. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, I appreciate talking to you all. Love thanks, it. Baba. Thanks so much, Baba. And uh, for everyone else, if you want to keep jamming, um, I'm I'm down to keep going. I just uh, Baba's got to run, so we can continue on. Yeah, I got a, I got a few more minutes. Um, Tanya, what's going on? Okay. Um, Luxley, yes, I had a question uh, following what uh, Mubot is um, referred to about, the, you know, finding content for radio shows, etc. I actually, you know, felt the same and just about a week ago. So I just was scrolling through Google and looking through, um, you know, different kinds of software to to you know that that radio shows use to schedule the shows and for you know listeners to find the shows easily i mean it doesn't seem like such a complicated process is is that something that you will be doing in in the near future yeah that's what builder was tasked with doing um (laughs) and and i the answer is like yes we're way behind schedule on it and it's again because um uh, and like all like uh, if I have to deal with fallout later, I'll deal with the fallout later. Um, but like I, I you know I think there's been um, some failures internally to communicate with builder and then I think there's been some uh, some shortcomings on builder side in terms of what they're used to building and this being maybe a little bit out of the scope of what they were trying to do. So it's it's behind schedule. The answer is yes, that was an early deliverable that we were trying to achieve and um, and it's massively massively behind schedule and uh and then you know it's um it's it's easy to get uh derailed you know but i think that that's a massive um you know tool that's absolutely needed uh and and it's something that like the the sooner we can do it the better um so we're i think i think we're getting close I think the mistake we made, Tanya, to answer i think the mistake we made was trying to build something in-house instead of just white labeling someone else's software <laughs> yeah probably but you know I, I saw like such a huge list not not a huge list but you know quite a few very very nice uh softwares that that could be used for for this and i even watched some videos and some of them are so easy to use so you know something to look into i agree yeah. mm-hmm. max max welcome up go for it Loxley, I, I i'm so glad i'm not you because i mean I'm sure everyone has just been flabbergasted by FTX and 
and so Rug Radio and the Caymans, like, <laughs> I'm sure you must be, you know, do you, do you anticipate that, you know, I, what's your kind of take internally in the US how, yeah. how this is going to fly? Because, uh, yeah, really- I'll tell you, that, I'll, tell, I'll tell you this. Um, if you, uh, if you're, if you're glad that you're not me, wait another week, you'll be even more glad that you're not me. Um, but <laughs> You'll the, hopefully that hopefully that joke catches up to you in about a week's time. Um, so, you know, we we went to we went to Cayman to to Cayman Foundation um, at the advice of multiple people. One of them was Gitcoin. Another one uh, was Consensus Mesh, um, and then and then ultimately uh, talking to uh, the founding uh, team at uh, Decrypt and a few other places. Uh, that have worked closely with uh, the consensus team. It, it now we're going to use the word consensus like seven times a single sentence. Um, it was general consensus that that is the best solution for um, for jurisdictional establishment for a few reasons. Um, one, and the obvious one, is always tax liability. Uh, two, it insulates us uh, quite a bit from the from some potential regulatory scrutiny that. Uh, and we still have to be mindful of it, but it kind of, sorry, I apologize. I got kit my, my five-year-old's opening and closing the door. Um, the, uh, it, it potentially insulates us from some regulatory scrutiny, not all regulatory scrutiny, but it gives us the ability to kind of spread our wings and expand and do some of the things that we want to do that otherwise was completely unavailable to us because of the, the U.S.-based jurisdiction. Um, and it really gives us a solid basis to work off of um, Given like the the position that we see ourselves as um, as a global and and universal, I'll even put it that way, a universal brand that's um, that's not necessarily operating within any specific jurisdiction. If you even look at um, the team contributors, uh, you know we're spread um, across multiple uh, nations and even continents, right? Um, so it. I don't think that because of the FTX fallout, like there's going to be there's going to be any major, especially not relatively quickly, um, regulatory issues that are going to you know that are going to come down on us. And I think that given the the law firm that we've engaged to do this and the structure that we're pursuing, it really it really feels like the best and safest bet. So um, I I mean I. I would recommend, uh, you know, talking to Jason Schwartz and, and the team at Freed Frank if anybody else is interested in, uh, in establishing uh, a Cayman Foundation and, and kind of offshoring their, uh, their, their enterprise because uh, these guys are just so thorough between them and then the, the legal team at Kerry Olson. I mean, I've, I've worked with a ton of legal professionals in, in my career, and I'll tell you that these guys, these guys are amongst the best I've ever encountered. So I feel, I feel very comfortable in their hands. And if I could just jump in here, another organization is NAMS. NAMS is in the Caymans, and I completely support Loxley's uh, endorsement of Jason. Um, he, as I'm a lawyer in the space. I know Jason very well. He is very well qualified on these matters and I, I literally could not think of a better attorney. So I'm, I'm really thrilled with the leadership Loxley and, and the rest of the core team has demonstrated with their legal. We, just so you guys know, we interviewed um, five different law firms, all of them, and not that this matters, but all of them V100 firms, um, you know, like these, like we wanted to make sure that we were doing it 
properly. And um, the, ultimately, it came down to Fried Frank or Shepard Mullen. And uh, we had a lot of people that said, hey, we use Shepard Mullen and, uh, and really endorsed them. But there was just a gut feeling that both myself, Mike Kriak, and, uh, and even Farouk had when we talked to uh, the lead at Shepard Mullen. And uh, it just didn't it just didn't feel like the right fit. And I'm really, really glad we went the direction that we did. The, my question was mainly about like snagging the SPF penthouse so we can all visit and <laughs> Dude, hey, look, you're you're two steps ahead of me. I uh I, I'm sure I'll get there independently tomorrow and think like, oh man, like why why not? The only thing that I'd be concerned with is just uh, sanitizing everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's that's got to be a clip, or or maybe we should not not make that a clip. Was that the direction you wanted this idea? How to go down, uh, running in? Yeah. Wow! I'll tell you what, it's been it's been crazy, right? Like the past few days, looking at it, it's been crazy. I don't know if you guys listened to the Bankless podcast, but quite literally, there are crypto professionals that are sobbing in despair right now, and it's uh it's it's crazy. Um, I hate to see it happen, you know, like we we all do. Um, and, and unfortunately, like I, I've, I'm always a proponent for good, solid regulation that helps advance, uh, you know, formalized and, you know, formalizing industries. But I, unfortunately, I think that there, there, there might be some hastiness to, uh, to implement some regulation that might be a little misguided because of this whole thing. And, and, um, it's, it's not going to be pretty for, for any of us, but, um, I think together we'll, we'll make it through. And and I will say to kind of wrap up this thread on this FTX thing is there's no danger of that happening to the Rugdow Bank because you can go on Snapshot, you can click on Treasury, and you can see Arnosis safe. You, you don't have to wonder, hey, did, did Loxley or Farouk go and take their, the Rugdow Treasury to FTX, which I'm sure a lot of founders did and would have been like a totally normal decision. But in our case, you don't have to even think about it. You can just check the chain, and uh, that's that's really the beauty that I think a lot of people haven't. It hasn't really connected with people yet. What that means for trustlessness. We're big. We're big proponents of sovereignty, you know, and and um, that's you know, it's 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 da- this this custodial wallet stuff. Like I understand that it's a it's an easier onboarding process, um, but it is it is dangerous. I think it's so important that, you know, if you remember back in the day, I think there's a, uh, might have been a fearful Jesuit or someone voting strongly to be ultra cautious with the treasury. And I was like, huh, that, you know, that's not particularly adventurous. But, you know, in retrospect, those kind of really safe decisions, I think, are the right ones. You know, it, it could have easily had uh, one of, what I would have thought at the time of super safe version of treasury implementation was just to have a little bit of yield on FTX or something like that. And like, you know, what are the chances of that going under? And then here we are. So golf clap for, I mean, that that's, it's a an important example for me of, you know, having a discussion, having your mind changed about something, you know, um, so good move. Well, the, if you look at the framework, it allows for us to do to do you know a little bit of uh, investing of the of the treasury. Like the 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 Dow can invest some of the funds via um, liquidity pools. You know, we can we can participate in like Uniswap V three and some of those things. And I think that that's smart to do. So I don't know if you guys know, um, but the reason the reason I was actually brought into Rug Radio um, 
was because, uh, you know, by, by Farouk and, and Mel, um, was because of my uh, kind of my, my day job and my experience and, um, you know, working in a, in a venture studio uh, type uh, background. And, um, and really like what we foresaw was that there's going to be a lot of DAOs that are treated like piggy banks. And, um, and unfortunately, like I've said it like on this space and I say it all the time, sustainability is a massive consideration when we talk about the long-term health and viability of, of DAOs. And ultimately, like my, my job for the past eight years has been the, the acquisition um, and, and the uh, fortification of fundamentally sound, positive cash flow businesses into portfolios to, uh, you know, build sustainable treasuries. And so, um, you know, I think we want, we want to participate. And, and the FTX thing was a simple way of being able to generate some yield, right? And a lot of people, that's why I think a lot of people ended up, ended up um, kind of uh, overlooking some of, the, uh, some of the issues. Like you can look back at some of the, it's funny because hindsight's twenty twenty. You can look back at some of the interviews that SBF did, and you know you can kind of see some of these uh, sociopathic tendencies that he had, which um, you know now it's easy to recognize. And uh, but but you know the Uniswap thing is something that once we get past these basic governance things that we're talking about with RugDAO, uh, there's like there's a lot of other things that we can talk about that takes the Rug Treasury from what it is, um, you know, can kind of take us from zero to hero. And, uh, and, and a lot of it isn't overly difficult. And I think that, you know, if we can kind of pull data and talk to some industry experts, we can really, we can really time, uh, the, I, and I know it's hard to say, and we're, you know, in, in the middle of a crypto winter, it's really even harder to say, but we can time the, the market in a way that's, um, you know, that's, uh, that's safe enough to say, okay, we're ready, we're ready to put, um, some ETH against, uh, you know, a stable like USDC in a, in a liquidity pair and just generate a little bit of yield. It doesn't need to be a lot of a lot of it. But if that money's sitting stagnant otherwise, I think we need to start looking at some of that stuff. So. Can I ask you just finally, I'm respectful of your time and everything, but one of the questions that I was interested in, I have zero experience in any of this sort of stuff, but it is, is particularly about VC funding. And, you know, if you expect royalties to zero and things like the builder platform and other things needing capital and, you know, Rug Radio has some, but, you know, it, it, could, it could potentially need a lot more. It is, has, has that, I'm sure that's been discussed and I'm sure it was discussed with the group that bought the 200 uh, Genesis NFTs, but, you know, ultimately there may not be any Genesis NFTs um, left. Um, is what's your kind of thinking about um, capital and funding like? Yeah, there's a few ways to do it. Um, the metaversal deal was very interesting. They came to uh, they came to Farouk and they wanted to invest and lead. A, they actually wanted to lead around a large, um, you know, Series A type round, and uh, and he said no, that's not something we're interested in right now, largely because we haven't like he hadn't figured out exactly how to do it in, um, you know, in, in a safe and, and, uh, for lack of a better word, a, a kosher way. Right. So there's a few things that we have, um, that we have to consider. And one of them is that there is in fact a separation of rug Dow and rug media as two independently, um, operating organizations. Um, and that can be, um, you know, that can be proliferated or exacerbated to an extreme degree if that's what we all decide in the end to do, or it can be something that, um, 
that isn't. There is, um, you know, there, there's conceptually a way where uh, if Rug Media wanted to bring venture capital in, Rug Media as a contributor um, or within the creator network, providing a percentage of its uh, its productivity to the DAO, um, just like any other creator would do. Um, you know, we can we can pursue a path like that if that's what's best for DAO holders. And the only reason I bring that up is that if you look, if you look from a decentralized um, philosophy and ideology, bringing venture into a DAO to participate side by side with individuals is complicated and it's messy. And that's largely um, because the, the the mission statement and the, and the sole motivating factor of of institutional capital is um, is self interest, right? It's self enrichment. So you have these partners, institutional money, VC money, is designed to enrich enrich the uh, enrich their own treasury um, at in any ethical way possible, right? As long as it's ethical, then, um, you know, that, that gives that, like it, they're, they're, they're free to run with that. It becomes complicated. And, um, and, and, you know, we've had, I had a lot of conversations about this uh, in Napa a few weeks ago with a lot of industry professionals about how do you do that? And uh, the general, the general consensus was that VC and private investors in a decentral, a decentralized organization cannot coexist peacefully. And I fought it and I fought it and I fought it. And I was like, I just don't know that that's the case. Um, and I still don't necessarily understand why that has to be the case, right? I think that we can mutually exist, uh, you know, investing side by side. Um, but I'm, I'm being schooled every day on why individuals with the Web3 ethos believe that that's not the case. So I think that, I think capital is an inevitability. I think that we are going to make money because we have a clear path towards profitability. It's taking a little bit of time. Um, but we're also trying to build a billion dollar organization, right? Like I look at Bloomberg and I look at, and I look at time and I look at all these other organizations in media that have, um, that have found success over the past century, um, two centuries. And it just, um, you know, it's, it, we're, we're, we're primed to be, you know, the, the, the next unicorn in media and uh, you can't, you, you, it just doesn't happen by bootstrapping. Um, capital injection is, is a necessity any way you spin it. But it's going to have to be a conversation that happens uh, with the community and, um, you know, with other people who are, who are smarter than we are and can really help elucidate and, and illuminate like some of the downfalls that come from that. So there's, to answer the question, there's a ton of different ways that it can be done. And, um, and I think that we will have to settle at some point on, on what, you know, we all collectively believe is the right way and then pursue that. But I think it's going to come, um, at the cost of, of quite a few heated debates. I mean, I, I, I would view it as the singular problem that, you know, it, it, it's the huge difficult issue to negotiate because I mean the cognitive dissonance that I've had over you know a few times as a project has evolved is exactly that question is is it is it is it a is it a traditional media company or is it a pure DAO and you know I'd, I would argue that the worst possible scenario is to blend both 
And I think at the very least, you know, if the Dow is sort of considered like an incubator of a traditional company and that, that you know, that tooling is, is still being built and there's decisions being made and all that kind of stuff. But I think, and I thought, you know, like originally I thought the, the metaversal deal, I thought that's genius and that's, I hadn't seen that before and all that kind of stuff. But now I wonder, now you have got a blend of VC and individual or, you know, for want of a better term, retail mixed in and, and you know, the, the the capital that someone like that would have would they could easily buy another thousand and really dominate voting and things like that so i i think i don't know how i mean i i think about this back and forth and i don't know what the answer is but i, I you know I, I think it is a really tricky issue and my vote would be just for separation and clarity more than anything not not any particular decision one way or the other because i don't feel like i have any expertise in that field but um i don't know what it what it brannigan or what does everyone else think? I mean, I think we have our capital structure and that's our DAO. And so I don't have any problem with VCs investing in the capital structure we've chosen by buying rugs. I think it's great. Um, but I don't, I don't know about going out for a raise while maintaining the current capital structure. Um, I have to think more about that, but to me, I think we need to look towards generating revenue through our business by bringing in partnerships, by increasing our listeners, and by really organically growing income. But what you're talking about is a pure DAO, and then Rug Media is, is is separate. I mean that that you know I would view Rug Media as the is the parent organization and, and a little circle within that circle is, is the, is the DAO. I don't, I don't think that's correct. If you, if you look at the way, yeah, if you look like, look for instance at um, Uniswap, right. Or look at, um, look at even Gitcoin, right. Um, there's what, where we're at currently is that there's a lot that's still in terms of like, uh, you, and we're working on with Freed Frank on, on, you know, defining the, uh, you know, the, the DAO's legal structure and all of that. Um, but the way the way that organizations that have grown to massive scale have worked has been through a compartmentalization of their different departments, and meaning that um, that rug rug DAO and, for instance, you know, say rug down rug media, and I'm not saying I'm not saying anything definitive. It's just some some brainstorming that um, you know trying to find the best the best solution. Um, it becomes really it becomes a infinitely easier for business operations it becomes infinitely easier for growth um, when when you aren't subjected to um, the the traditional constraints that you have in a pure democracy where every single person has to vote on every single thing right that's extremely extremely difficult for for growth and so um Right now, like there's no doubt about it, the DAO and the Treasury belongs to our DAO holders, right? But legally, there's also a question of if regulation comes in that requires, which we've we actually talked to uh, talked to an attorney about this, um, that requires uh, you know the the our DAO holders to KYC. What happens then? And it's something that you know that that's a big question is. Are people willing to do a KYC or uh, or an AML, you know, an anti money laundering form, to be able to, um, you know, to continue to participate in the DAO? And if that's what regulation states, 
then based on there and there are some jurisdictions that already enforce this based on based on that every single RDAO holder and participant within the ecosystem uh, who owns the you know the the RDAO is equally liable for the actions of the DAO and equally liable for the for the finances of the DAO so we're dealing with like uh, we're dealing with a massive massive amount of ambiguity in securities law and um, actual ownership right now and so like I, I know it gets really annoying to hear us say it like that we're that, that I sit in eight hours of meetings with lawyers every day but I like sh I shit you not like that's actually what we're doing and we're sitting with lawyers who have the most experience pontificating over this stuff and having them tell us what they've seen what they see coming and uh and like it's awful man like sorry Brannigan. like i know i'm not saying that i don't like hanging out with lawyers but um it's just it's tough because there doesn't seem to be any concrete answers for us yet and i think those answers might be coming especially after the ftx debacle but just so you guys know like that's that's where we're at Yeah, for sure. And um, I'd also say that kind of the choices we make as a DAO now with things like, you know, the operational council, and I, I wrote kind of my sort of how I would have done it and why I voted no against it. But, you know, almost everyone in the DAO disagreed with me. But one of the reasons that I push decentralization so much is those choices that we make, you know, those really matter for these legal debates about who's liable for what, where the taxes flow, that sort of thing. And that's why I'm pushing pretty strongly for decentralization with an, with an operational council that has some teeth. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I totally don't envy you for sitting in all those lawyers meetings. But I personally have spoken to Jason about these issues. And of all the lawyers I've talked to, he is the one that I would hire for this task uh, because I, I think he's really spot on on, on, his, on how he answers these questions, Loxley. And I'll say that there are a lot of very highly compensated, very well-regarded lawyers who have no idea what they're talking about because they don't understand what we're building. And Jason is not that person. Jason is a crypto who understands Web3 and decentralization. I mean, I think one thing I find, and Mubut's in Tony, you could probably say as well. I mean, for me, isn't it, this is why, um, you know, months or weeks ago, I feel like I can be much more provocative than a US domiciled um, taxpayer because I don't see that regulation coming to Australia for a, a decade. And, you know, we, we typically we are behind the US by that margin and we will land on a more conservative version of whatever happens in the US. But, you know, I've got a lot of runway to screw around and, 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 and my taxes will be um, grandfathered, you know, against a change that, that happens to, way down the line. And I'm sure it's going to be the same in New Zealand. And so I think, you know, one, you have rug media domiciled in the Cayman and that ticks that box and that makes it easy to operate, et cetera. And then you, you do a Uniswap and you push off the DAO into the blockchain and say, we don't control it. It's nothing to do with us. We have a treasury that's got a multi-sig and a governance process, but it ain't me and it ain't Faroque and all that stuff, even though there might be some um, financial transactions back and forth. But, you know, on the one hand, you have the, the traditional business structure. Um, and on the other hand, you have the pure DAO. And, and it, it, is that 
and 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 the idea i think that there is no future i would see where dow holders are not treated if particularly if it's a it's a it's a money making venture that that produces value every government's going to go after that for sure and and you know we do you think in china they're not going to want you to kyc your eth address i mean it's 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 that that is inevitable but not not yet um so for sure, and I think the closer the closer we get to um, we the closer we can drive the DAO to protocol, the better, right? It's like can we can we move eventually? And this is going to come with time because we do have to worry about the distribution of the RDAO tokens, and and I don't think you know I don't think we can given given our current distribution of RDAO, um, I don't think we can move on chain like nows nouns and and be truly autonomous. Um, but I think when we get to full, you know, full distribution or at least a higher distribution um, uh, than we currently have in, in kind of a more widespread, uh, you know, homogenous distribution of the tokens versus concentrated amongst, you know, 10, 10 holders, the, the, you know, 34% amongst the top 10 holders. I think that, you know, we can we can move the DAO on chain and we can, um, you know, we can operate more on a protocol level. Uh, and that's what I think that's where you get a lot of like, I think you have a lot of people like Uniswap who feels very insulated um, because it's not, um, you know, it's not a it's not a, a partnership by any means. And the, the participants, um, you know, there's there's no individual responsibility. It's, um, it's it's truly as autonomous. And I think that I think ultimately that's where we need to be. That's where we need to be headed. This has been, I mean, this part is, uh, my brother works in VC and I'm going to be like telling him, you must listen to this, <laughs> this part of the chat. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so, it's so enriching and so engaging. Um, I'm wondering, like, are, are there any, are there any projects anyone is aware of that have made a transition from an NFT well, collection? I'm to sign off and oh, sorry. take my kids to a birthday party. But thank you everyone for. Cheers, Max. Time and your time, Lockley and everyone. See you, um, I was just wondering, Loxy, are, there, are you ever any NFT projects that have that have transitioned uh, into companies and have said like these? Sorry, not companies, but have transitioned the NFTs into effectively stocks and have said these these now equate to one stock in this company. So um, I can. I can tell you what I have seen, and I won't give you the particular example because the ownership pool is extremely small. And um, and uh, and I, like if I if I if I get approval um, from them, like we'll we'll circle around and talk about it later. I've seen an NFT project um, that that I actually uh, I, I consulted for. It was one of uh, started as an investment DAO. So an investment DAO that sold, and I'm going to call them shares because that's effectively effectively what they are now. They sold shares um, through their through this NFT drop in this investment DAO. Um, there was a hundred. There was a hundred maximum ninety nine participants. A hundred tokens total that were that were issued. Uh, what they ended up doing is because there were participants who were not accredited investors, they actually ended up partnering with a FINRA compliant crowdfunding portal in order to offer uh, what's what's called an SEC Reg CF. So the regulation crowdfunding um, allows for unregistered securities 
to be filed uh, via what's called a Form C with the SEC, and it allowed them to be able to sell unregistered securities to non-accredited investors. And basically what it looked like at that point is it looked more like um, more like a syndicated uh, if, if you're familiar with real estate syndications, it looked like a real estate syndication in the form uh, that you might usually see in a Reg A or Reg D. Um, and it, and it, it's actually functioned. They're now a registered security. What it did require is it did require KYC um, because they had, to, they had to partner with that vendor compliant crowdfunding portal and they had to collect the customer information um, for anti-money laundering and all of that. So the transition, because it was on a small scale, wasn't difficult. It was actually, it was, it, it was, um, well, I mean, pat myself on the back. It was really well done, and uh, and that came from a from a uh, a wealth of knowledge on how the Reg CF, Reg A, and Reg D filings work from a venture background, and uh, and really like it's one of the few places in in crypto and Web three that like I felt like I've actually uh, uh, contributed my my full weight. Um, so it's. It's definitely doable, and it, and it was doable on that scale, again, because of the small holder pool and the willingness of everyone who was participating to KYC. Amazing. Amazing. Absolutely fascinating. I've got like a thousand other questions, but that's, yeah, that's, that's amazing. We might, what we might do is, I mean, feel free, like I got, I got a few more minutes, but we might even just get on a, get on a, a phone call at some time. Cause Love to. If you, if you have exposure to the VC world and all of that, like there's, there's so much that's that's possible within web3 um especially if you're not um you know if you're not uh, us domiciled um but there's there's so much opportunity and like and there's so much creativity that um you know that can be employed to help structure these deals in really really powerful ways unfortunately a lot of people aren't aware of them and um and then you know there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of fear around oh like what does it take what what we've seen is We've seen all these people sell a product to consumers that obviously didn't require, um, you know, anyone to be accredited, didn't didn't require any KYC because according to the law, the way that NFTs have been is they've been consumable products, right? It hasn't been an investment. And we, we enter into this entirely um, complicated philosophical realm where you have people buying NFTs and classifying themselves as investors. Well, the question is, are they truly investors? And it's like, well, that that's super subjective because I might not be an investor in Rolex, um, the, the company, but in my personal portfolio, I quote unquote invest in Rolex and, and IWC and Panerai and all these other Swiss watch brands because I've seen their ability um, you know, to, to, uh, to be inflation, right? The IRR on watches is better is, you know, it outpaces inflation. So it's like, great. So I'm going to invest in that crap. Um, so you have, you have people calling themselves investors and what do they, what do they particularly mean? Right. Um, when you start telling these people and, and a lot of these consumers, buyers of products like the board, Yacht club, when they realize that they aren't in fact investors and on the cap table and actually have ownership in this project, they they start to riot and it becomes um you know it becomes dangerous and it's like oh uh uh you know um fucking kevin rose didn't have the right to ccor project like we're the investors and it's like well no um you're the consumer um but on that in that particular instance you weren't the investor and it becomes extremely extremely challenging and it's because again massive amounts of ambiguity 
and um, a, a, a lack of clarity in communication. And, um, and I think we're really in for a rocky ride over the next six to 12 months because that's exactly Brannigan as a lawyer will tell you, like the way that we position ourselves and the words that we say and the actions that we take relative to our consumers and our capital management are going to be what determines whether or not some of these were securities or if they were just companies selling products. You just, I mean, so the last thing I'll say, I mean, you've just distilled so many things I've been thinking about generally. Like, I mean, when it comes to art, uh, similar to you with, with the watches, that's my thinking. I'm, I'm kind of, I am just for me personally, the, the feeling is I'm investing into this artist and their career. I have, I have a belief in their long-term um, approach. And I mean, with Rug Radio too, like, f- you know, for me, my psychology when I first entered in was partly love radio, want to get involved with, with doing hosting, but also I want to, I want to stake in this, this decentralized media platform because I believe what's happening. And, but having that clarity eh, around, I guess for me at this point, um, you know, the, for me and uh, for me to either expand sort of expand my involvement or others to enter having some of that clarity around around these things um when it when it can come in time will definitely trigger different activity <laughs> for sure we're not like we're uh we're not going to lose sight of that ultimate mission of true democratization and decentralized uh ownership and, and ownership and governance um everything that it entails sorry that was a that was a that was a novel <laughs> I love it, Loxy. Thank you so much. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Loxley, for coming on. Really appreciate you um, sharing everything here. Um, I would definitely, uh, uh, well, really appreciate having you on, buddy. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, everyone, for your time. I know we went way over. I'm about to head to a uh, to a, a dinner with some Web3 counterparts. So I appreciate you guys. We'll chat soon. <laughs>